I have a Facebook group for women called Female Short-Term Rental Investors. We talk about different aspects of the short-term rental space. I own 10 short-term rentals and manage 26. My team is made up of a concierge team. They take care of inquiries, maintenance requests, everything. Every day I learn something just by having conversations. If I have the opportunity to help someone else, that is so rewarding. And then continuing to serve the women inside my community. That is something I'm very, very passionate about and I absolutely love. We in this thing dropping blue gym. Let's go. Let's go. Another episode of Blue Gems podcast with Stacy St. John. What an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'm not even going to pretend to know all the accomplishments that you've accomplished so far. I will let you go ahead and take the lead on that. Oh my goodness. Well, it's first and foremost, a pleasure for me to be here with you both. And thank you so much for the invite. It is such a treat for me. So yeah, my name is Stacey St. John, and I actually live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and have most of my short-term rental portfolio in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is where I am recording this right now. And um, I have a boutique property management firm. I own uh, 10 short-term rentals and manage 26 at the moment, and um you know, I am so very grateful to have wonderful, wonderful people around me, including um, my communities. So I have a Facebook group for women in short-term rentals called Female Short-Term Rental Investors. And I also have uh, the Short-Term Rental Society, which is a meetup group where we have weekly meetups and talk about different aspects of the short-term rental space. And I also have a podcast called the STR Sisterhood, as well as a coaching program called the STR Success Accelerator. So um, again, that's a little bit of a mouthful, but a bit about me. Wow. And, and how long have you been in the STR game? That's a great question. I actually got into short-term rentals when COVID hit. So I was previously investing in long-term rentals and you know we were finishing up a flip uh we were anticipating using the profits from that flip to go purchase another long-term rental and when covid hit as you well know a whole bunch of eviction moratoriums started popping up and my husband and i just started really pondering the fact that okay why are we going to go buy another long-term rental if we don't have any recourse, if someone doesn't pay their rent. And so we had talked for years about, you know, purchasing a vacation rental. Um, and we just felt like, well, now's the right time, right? Because people actually have to pay us in order to get into the property. So we did, I did about six months worth of research and just educating myself before we actually made our first purchase. And once we've done that, I mean, you know how it is. It's amazingly addicting. It is <laughs> such a fun industry to be in. And I found, I feel like I've, I've found my people, um, which is awesome and incredible too. So, so uh, Myrtle Beach, it's a market that you don't hear a lot about. Uh, obviously, 
I can understand, and I think a lot of the listeners can understand, you know, why I would be attractive, but let's talk about that market a little bit. Sure. Well, when I was looking for a market, we had a list of parameters or buying criteria that we were looking for. And so it wasn't something that we were just all of a sudden one day saying, let's go buy a property in Myrtle Beach. We did a lot of in-depth um, discussion between my husband and I to determine what we wanted out of a short-term rental, what type of market we wanted to be in. And I'm all about, you know, living out your dreams. And I freaking love the ocean. Okay. <laughs> I love the beach. And so our parameters were, we wanted to buy an oceanfront property and had a budget of a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Wow. wow. And <laughs> uh, <Sign me> <laughs> I know exactly. Um, so at the time, back in 2020, you could do that all day long, every day. Now, they were ugly as all get out, right? They were ugly properties that we rehabbed and made them look beautiful, but it checked all the boxes. Myrtle Beach is a very popular tourist destination. You know, again, I live in the Midwest, so a lot of people from the Midwest come here to vacation every year, as well as other parts of the country. There is an extremely strong local CVB that has multiple events um, throughout the year. So it's not only prime location for vacationers, but also for folks who are attending an event here in Myrtle Beach. Um, and again, you know, we've really, really leaned into this market. We absolutely love it here. We are thrilled to announce Blue Gems Management. After building out 24 short-term rental properties of our own, we're now helping other investors buy their time back. With over 300 five-star reviews, we really understand the importance of guest experience. If you're interested in making short-term rentals passive, click the link in the show notes below and someone from our team will contact you soon. Now back to the show. And again, you know, we've really, really leaned into this market. We absolutely love it here. But I, I do want to say a lot of the market is made up of properties that maybe were decorated in 1987. <laughs> so <laughs> there, was, there were lots of opportunities for me to find ugly properties, again, at the time. And now, you know, it's amazing how the market has turned. Um, boy, oh boy, I say, if I would have known back in 2020, what the real estate market was going to do, I would have bought every last condo known demand here, but I didn't. So, um, it's again, a, a fabulous market for so many reasons. Um, and we love it. I bet if you buy every single condo in 2023, in 2030, you'll be like, I'm so happy I did that. Right. <laughs> the long game. The long game always. But no, that, that's awesome. Love, love your story. Um, so you said that you own 10 of them. You manage another 26. Are they all in Myrtle Beach or are you kind of spread out in different markets now? Yeah. You know what? Let me make a correction. I own 10 and I manage 26, not another 26. So within my portfolio, I've got 26 properties, 10 of which I own. Okay. I, I actually said that wrong. So, gotcha. um, 
So we just, this past fall, um, branched out into a secondary market. You know, we really wanted to focus and lean into the Myrtle Beach market and capture economies of scale, number one, but then also lean into our people here. As you know, finding great people is not easy to do. And we felt like from a strategic standpoint, we really wanted to focus on making sure we were building up the best team possible before we went into another market. Now that goes against what a lot of people are doing these days. You know, they're in multiple markets and I know several people that um, are able to operate well, but for us, we really, really felt like our people were our greatest asset and we really wanted to dial in our systems and processes here in Myrtle Beach before we went into a second market. So we just last fall purchased our first property in Hawking Hills, Ohio. And actually it is on Forbes most recent list of one of the top 50 places in the world to visit. And wow. it is a regional- I know, uh, a regional vacation destination in Ohio. Um, and so we're now going through the exact same thing when we started out in Myrtle Beach. It's really, really dialing into making sure that we have the very best teams there before we grow heavily, if that makes sense. And what is the draw to that market? having never heard of it before. <laughs> yeah, so it's a really, really cool market. There is a lot of nature-based activities. So there's a state park there. There are lots of caves to go through. There are a lot of outdoor adventures like zip lining and ATV and um, horseback riding. And just the setting is beautiful. It is absolutely, you know, in Ohio, they call it the Gatlinburg of Ohio. Mm. Okay. Um, so it's a very um, similar type of landscape and just gorgeous. I also think the charm of Hawking Hills, if you will, is it's not very commercialized. So when you go there for a getaway, you're actually getting away. You know, you're not going out to, I would say, your typical restaurants where there's a ton of options. You have a handful of local mom and pop restaurants. Um, and again, that's part of the charm of the area. So. So 26 properties in under three years, how did you do it? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I, <laughs> I, a couple of ways to answer that. You know, I purposefully have been strategic about not only buying right, so for the properties that we own, making sure that we're buying the right property. So I'm, I lean very heavily into deal analysis and making sure from a numbers perspective that that purchase makes sense. So... Some of our portfolio has grown over time because we've done 1031 exchanges. Um, and so that has, has played well to our favor. Um, I also think that 
making sure um, from a property management perspective that we completely understand our ideal client. And so I was going to say our ideal client oftentimes comes to us. You know, I'm not out there pounding the pavement. Um, knock on wood, I feel very blessed that I've got great relationships here in Myrtle Beach. And so I get a lot of referrals, right, um, from other people because our units look very different than a lot of the units you'll see in Myrtle Beach. So a lot of networking, a lot of referral-based business, um, and honestly, holding our quality standards high. You know, I don't accept everyone that comes to my doorstep. I do fully vet the properties to make sure that they align with the other properties within our portfolio, because when you go to stayinmyrtlebeach.com, it's really important that for me that a guest knows, okay, wow, these are all the same aesthetic and quality level. Not the units don't look anything alike, but there's a quality standard that we hold ourselves um, to. So I think also by having quality standards, it helps me to really demonstrate to the the community what I'm like and what my properties are like. And so if someone again is purchasing a property, I might be their go-to because they know that I might uh, again be a great resource for them as property owners. I think secondarily to the other thing to mention is that I have relationships with other property managers here. And if someone is not a good fit for me, guess what? I'm going to refer them over to someone else. Um, and I think establishing relationships in your market is really, really critical. So that's also a way that I've grown is just, again, building those relationships so that it's a win-win all around. And then how big is your team? I imagine at this point, it's not just you, you know, managing this whole portfolio and empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my my team is um, made up probably a, a little bit differently than most people because I was actually building this property management and real estate portfolio while I was working full time. So I left the corporate world in June of 2022. <laughs> I know, congrats, congrats. <laughs> Congratulations, amazing. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but because I was working in the corporate world as I was building this, I had to put a model in place that was very much an outsourced model. So again, we really leaned into people. Um, so my team is made up of a concierge team that is a 24 seven concierge team. They take care of all of our bookings, all of our inquiries, all of our you know maintenance requests, everything. Um, having to do with care of our guests or the properties they run point. And they're on shift 24 seven. Um, and so that is a fabulous resource, not only because they provide excellent customer service, but they're also former Airbnb employees. And so they really understand this world that we live in, uh, in short-term rentals. So can we, uh, can we pause there? Because yeah. I've never heard of this concierge service before. I need, I need to know more. <laughs> How did you build out this, uh, this team? Yeah. 
So I actually was introduced to an agency that placed concierge, their virtual assistants, and um, they placed them for me. So I gave them the parameters, the type of people I was looking for. They went out and sourced um, this particular team that I have in place, and they coordinated interviews with me, much like you would do in a recruiting firm situation mm -hmm. in the corporate world. And through this, then I've not only been able to um, put in place a fabulous team, but I also, you know, have a fabulous resource in this agency because I can scale up as I grow. Um, so that is how I found them. And I, again, feel very, very grateful and, and blessed to be surrounded by great team members there. Do you mind talking about the cost um, to have this team? And then also, where are they based out of? Sure. So the cost, we put together a custom package. Most people, when they hire a virtual assistant or a team of virtual assistants, are likely not going to start off with a 24-7 service level. Um, so we, because we wanted to have that in place, again, providing the infrastructure for us to grow and scale, um, we have a, a flat rate um, every month that goes to their payroll. And then secondarily, um, you know, we do provide holiday bonuses and things of that nature as well. But most people are going to probably put in an hourly rate, right? So they'll probably have a virtual assistant or a team of virtual assistants that works at an hourly rate. This particular company, um, that placement agency I was telling you about, is fabulous because they will absolutely customize things. They'll put together flat rate packages. And, you know, if it's okay, I'm happy to share their their company name, if you'd like, but I'm I'm happy to to keep that under wraps if that's helpful. Totally to up you. to you, uh, up to you, absolutely. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, you know, the the company name is Fission Management, um, and it's F I S as in Sam, S as in Sam, I O N. Um, I can make a personal introduction or a referral um, if any of your listeners want to know more and want to, um, again, get a, a connection with them, happy to make that make that connection. But yeah, it's it's been a fabulous ride. And I I'm all about having good people around around me. And they're certainly one of them. That's amazing. Love that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, so your time commitment, how many hours a week are you still spending on the business now that you have this concierge service kind of taking, you know, taking control of most of the business? Sure. So they run point on the day-to-day -day with the guests. In addition to that, I also have a team member that is their team lead, and she's been with me from the start, um, and she takes care of a lot of the backend listing optimization, reporting, um, setting up listings, things of that nature. So she's in place. And then in addition to in each of the markets having cleaners and maintenance folks, I also have 
quality control inspectors. And those QC inspectors are amazingly important to me because our cleaners obviously do a great job, but having a second set of eyes is really, really helpful to make sure that, again, our quality standards are being upheld. So because, again, I've got these fabulous people in place, my role is really to answer questions for these folks and to remove roadblocks. So if we have challenges or new processes that need to be built, you know, that is my that is, that's in my camp, shall we say. Um, and then I do oversee um, all of the financial reporting for our owners. Um, and I'm just getting ready to hand off client onboarding. So I'm training someone right now to hand off client onboarding. So I, I really only work in the business about three to five hours a week on some weeks and maybe one to three hours a week on other weeks. I love it. Yeah, that's and incredible. Let's talk a bit about the financial reporting, because I think there's a lot of uh, confusion about how property managers or, or co-hosts actually handle that process. So I wanted to get your professional opinion on how it should be done correctly. Yeah. Well, this is certainly a gray area for a lot of folks. And, and candidly, I see a lot of people that I believe are, are doing it in a way where they're putting themselves and their business at risk. So most of the states, not all of them, but most of the states have rules and regulations around property management. So in the state of South Carolina, where most of my properties are, I am a licensed property manager in charge. And what that means is I have the ability to hold funds in escrow for other people. That's the in charge designation. Other property managers would need to work for a property manager in charge or a real estate broker. So in South Carolina, as an example, you have to be licensed as a property manager or you have to be licensed in real estate. Um, in the state of Ohio, again, there is no property manager or you know licensed property manager in charge designation. So in the state of Ohio, my business actually operates differently. Where I feel like there are a lot of hiccups and a lot of potential opportunities for folks to find themselves in legal trouble is when they are managing client funds on their behalf and dispersing them to their clients. So if a co-host is saying, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Client, I'm going to quote, own your listing. All the revenue from the listing is going to come to me and then I will pay you. In a lot of states, that is deemed as property management, which is regulated. And so I believe the right way, um, if you are in a regulated state, is to have the proper licensure, right? Um, and if you are not operating in a regulated state, again, follow the letter of the law. Uh, but I think that from a co-host's perspective, making sure that your client has 
access to their own money. So the funds that are paid out from Airbnb or Verbo or booking.com go into a client owned bank account that you as a co-host can have login rights to. Um, so you're helping your client manage their money, but your client has access to that money. Um, and they're not accepting money on their client's behalf, I think is the cleanest way to handle that. Yeah, I've actually never heard that idea before because we've heard it where, you know, the the management company receives the funds or we've heard it where the, the owner receives the funds. But then the problem with the owner receiving funds is like who's paying for repairs and mm -hmm. then maybe we're paying cleaners. So we need to get the cleaning fee reimbursed. So I like your idea of kind of having this joint account where both parties have access to it. It's very transparent and we can operate accordingly under those terms. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I think that so many property managers, um, and again, in my own experience, when I was with property managers, when I first started buying, I was with a third party property manager. Okay. And I started seeing all these charges on my invoice and I would be like, what's this for? Right. Why, why am I being charged for pillows? Again, when I just bought pillows last month, you know, I mean, those types of scenarios. And so when I started asking questions, I didn't get the answers that I wanted to hear because the answers were, well, we're not really going to share that information with you. <laughs> you know, and so it, again, I think coming from that perspective, it's really important if we are managing other people's properties that we are 100% transparent with their funds. Okay. So making sure if there are expenses that need to be addressed, absolutely. That is a part of the day-to-day, -day, but your clients understand what those expenses are. So properly tracking them, you know, um, that is so important so that I think in order to raise the level of professionalism in the property management space, that is a huge area of opportunity. I couldn't agree more. Kind of going off of that point, is there any softwares that you're using, maybe like an owner res to kind of help with this process as you're you know, doing these statements and tracking for these owners? We have got software galore. So yeah, <laughs> we, we do use owner res. Um, and they're a very big piece of the puzzle. Um, we also have an outsourced bookkeeping team that has their own set of software uh, for not only pulling in all of the transactions and categorizing them appropriately. We've got software if there are transactions that can't be categorized from a banking perspective where I go in and you know, provide details about each individual transaction. We've got software for generating um, the owner reports. And then we also use Google spreadsheets to do expense trackers for each of our owners. So again, they understand what the issue was that, you know, charged them $77 on their statement. Um, and then we also use Google Sheets for other market performance reports. So again, with our reporting, we do share with our owners, not only, you know, how they're doing, but how they're doing compared to the market. Um, so we've got software for that, that we utilize to be able to make those comparisons. 
Love that. Software galore. <laughs> so you've had a ton of success in, in, um, in the STR business. Uh, what are you most excited about now? Are you shifting focus? Are you going into boutique hotels, multifamily? Fix and flip. What, what's up with uh, Stacy and your journey for 2023? Oh gosh, there is so many. So there are so many things that I'm excited about. So <laughs> from a perspective of property acquisition, I am building two properties um, in Hocking Hills, and I am currently under contract for a hundred acres of land wow. that I will wow. be so that is really exciting. Um, and then from the industry perspective, I am really, really excited to have the opportunity to, you know, again, be on your podcast and speak to other people. I feel like every day I learn something just by having conversations with other people. And so if I have the opportunity to help someone else, that is so rewarding. So um, again, very, very grateful and blessed to have those opportunities ahead for 2023. Um, and then continuing to serve the women inside my communities. Uh, that is something I'm very, very passionate about. And, um, you know, I absolutely love. So I'm I'm really excited about that too. See so many things. I can't do <laughs> one. <laughs> right. So assume that I'm looking for my first short-term rental, don't have any properties at the moment. What would be your best piece of advice for me? Well, my best piece of advice would be first figure out what you want from your short-term rental. So establishing buying criteria in my mind is a critical step that often gets overlooked. People just decide they want to get into short-term rentals and then they hop on Zillow, right? <laughs> and so I always share with my students, you know, how critical it is to outline what your goals are. You know, where do you want your life to be and how is this short-term rental going to impact it? Um, so outlining your vision for your short-term rental business. And guess what? This is a business. So really, really dialing into that first and foremost. Um, secondarily, research. You know, once you have your buying criteria laid out, find out what markets fit your buying criteria. And then again, once you hone in on your market, look at each deal from an investment standpoint, and again, depending on what you want, some people get into short-term rentals. Here's an example where they want to own a property, let's say a mountain property, and they want to use that for their family to vacation in. And secondarily, they want to offset some of the costs by renting it out as a short-term rental. That's one avenue. Another avenue is you've got an investor who is an investor first and wants that mountain property to generate as much income as possible. And secondarily, it would be a bonus to go stay there a couple times a year. Those are two very different acquisition strategies. So really, really, again, dialing into what your overall goals are, what you want from this property, what your desired return 
on your investment is, and then analyze those deals to see what fits into your criteria and, you know, really, really taking it from a strategic approach versus, all right, let's just dive in and see what's available. Does that make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. It's like figuring out your why, right? Why are you purchasing this asset? Are you trying to make money? Do you want it for vacation? If you start with the why, the what becomes a lot easier <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the how. Absolutely. And I also think too, you know, it's important when you are ready to acquire, if you understand who your ideal guest is before you start looking at properties, guess what? It makes it a heck of a lot easier to weed out properly properties very easily. So I love, again, I've, I'm dialed into my ideal guest, so I know what I'm looking for. But if you're just starting out, really be thinking about, you know, am I looking to host multi-generational families? Am I looking to host families with young kids? Am I looking to host couples who are wanting to go away on a getaway? Those are different types of properties, if that makes sense. So, makes a lot of sense. Yep. And then there's a lot of talk in the media about the Airbnb bust, saturation. Where do you see the short-term rental market headed into 2024? Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting year because there are so many people who jumped on the bandwagon um, and candidly, maybe for a time, thought that they could just throw it up on Airbnb and it would start making money. And again, there was a time when that could happen. But I really feel like there's going to be a great divide, if you will, where the professional hosts will really outshine and outperform the hosts that are just doing enough to get by. And so the hosts that are just doing enough to get by could find themselves potentially either upside down in their property because of the way the real estate market has shifted. Um, I just think it breeds new opportunities for you know, creative real estate deals to be had. Um, but I also think it's really important to stand out in your market. Um, oversaturation doesn't bother me personally, because guess what? If there are a lot of short-term rentals in that market, it means there's a lot of demand in that market, right? Couldn't so, agree more. Yeah, that's exactly how we feel. I don't, <laughs> I don't ever worry about oversaturation. Now, again, if I were having my property look like everybody else's. And if I were just doing enough to get by, I would be worried the heck out, you know, about <laughs> oversaturation because I would be part of that saturated um, portion of the market. So it's really important, I believe, in a very busy market to stand out from what other people are doing. And that can be done in several different ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be on how the property is decorated, but it helps. Love that. Absolutely. So you have dropped so many gems this podcast. I think I counted 23. So we appreciate (laughs) it. If you could leave one last gem with the listeners, it could be about business. It could be about short-term rental it could be about having a tribe or life in general, what would you want to leave the listeners? Gosh, that's a, that's a big question. Um, my, uh, 
I think my piece of advice would be to find someone who has been there, done that. If you are new to this industry, find someone who has achieved where you want to go and have them help you so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, this can be a very lonely business, you know, if you are just starting out and there are so many different complexities, um, to deal with and so many different processes to put in place. And if we are having to start from scratch, it can be really overwhelming. And so I think my biggest piece of advice is get plugged in to people that you resonate with who have achieved what you want to accomplish and look for them to support you. Amazing. Great, great answer for sure. Love it. Um, and then uh, where can people find you? Oh gosh. So they can find me on Facebook. Um, again, my Facebook group is called Female Short-Term Rental Investors. Sorry guys, only the ladies are allowed in. Um, <laughs> And then I also have the Short-Term Rental Society, which is strconnections.com. Of course, they can also go to my website, which is stacystjohn.com. And I am on Instagram. My handle is at stacy underscore st period john. Take that. That's a mouthful. So. <laughs> For sure. Wow. What an episode, Stacey. We really, really appreciate your time you so and much. your energy. So much wisdom. We can tell that you're, you're really making some strides. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thank you for having me.